Welcome back to the Sit with Snit podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Snitkovsky, and I cannot wait to introduce you to our next guest for our second episode of this season. This season is focused explicitly on sitting with singlehood, how to live a meaningful life while still searching for your life partner. On this show, we process ideas and topics by engaging in thought-provoking conversations with different speakers. For our second episode, I'm so pumped to introduce you to my dear friend, mentor, and powerhouse known as Dasi Zar. Dasi is a former doula, hypnobirthing child educator, and yoga instructor. She reinvented herself and became most known as the director and main Chabad Shlucha for the downtown Manhattan community of young professionals. She's recently created a community for Jewish women called Keter Rising, where Jewish women rise up through connection, education, and inspiration. I've known Dasi for almost 10 years now, having met her as a college roommate of mine's sister-in-law. It's unbelievable to witness her growth as an individual, and I have so much gratitude for the role she's played in my journey. I knew I always wanted to foster a conversation with Dasi for this show because she's one of the few women who have taught me to embrace my flavor of Judaism and own all that comes with it. In addition, we just speak the same language, and finding someone like that is really rare. In this episode, you'll hear us speak on a myriad of the complexities that come with the single life and how one of the best tools you have at your disposal is to surrender. The sooner you learn it, the better you'll feel and show up throughout your life. So without further ado, are you ready to join me and Dossie in Sitting with Surrendering? As always, feel free to reach out and DM me on Instagram and show your love by liking this episode and sharing it with friends. And don't forget, it's all lessons and blessings. Hey, hey everyone, welcome back to the Sit With Snit podcast. I'm your host, Hannah, and I'm so excited to introduce to you a dear friend, mentor, just like boss, woman, mama, wife. Like, I feel like every title keeps continuing as life continues. Um, Dasi Zar. Hey, Das, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is so special. This is honestly an honor. I've known Dasi for almost a decade, I think now, yeah. um, which is wild. Our, our relationship dates back to Boston days when I was in college and thank God um, life has brought us together in many different stages. And I've gotten to see her now as a mom and just also really killing it with young professionals in Manhattan. And it's just, it's a bracha, um, no pun intended because her beautiful daughter also has bracha in her name. Um, but it's a bracha to be able to have you. It's a blessing to to have you on this podcast talking about a subject that I think is is sensitive for many. I know it's sensitive for me. And I know it's something that you have a lot of empathy for and you get and you're just so real with the single experience. So thank you, first and foremost. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be on set with Snit. I'm such a huge fan. <laughs> I'm fangirling with you, Das. Um, so for those of you who are tuning in, whether it's your first time listening to, um, the show or not, this season is all about the single experience, um, how to live a meaningful life when you're still searching for your life partner. And I'm the one who's posing the question. I'm living through it right now. And I kind of found myself like at this odds, like we need to change the narrative. Like a lot of people in, you know, different communities feel like if you're, your life hasn't started until you're married. Like people don't really look at single women the same way they do once they're married. And I just find that to be so, 
oh, it's just, it's not how things should be. It's not how I want to be seen in this world. I think that everyone has a purpose and it starts the minute that we're in the womb. And um, I just wanted to bring light to that and kind of just change the narrative about what it means to be a single woman um, rather than, you know, kind of banking on the societal connotations we've kind of leveraged throughout the years. And quite frankly, they make us feel pretty terrible. So I, I definitely wanted to speak with you, Das, about just the fact that I think that no matter what stage in life we're in, we're always going to want to be in a different stage, <laughs> you know, whether, you know, we're as a single woman right now, I could say like, oh, I can't wait until I'm married. And then once you're married, there's always another benchmark that you're yearning for. And I think it could be a problem of our generation. It could be kind of like the tikkun, the rectification that I think our generation has. And I'd love for you to, you know, brainstorm with me on this, but I feel like we're constantly wanting to flip the page, but we don't know how to be on the page we're at right now. So true. Like, it's just so hard. And I, I wonder, like, why can't we sit with things? Why is it so hard to just kind of accept that wherever we are is where we're supposed to be, even if we don't get it? Like, why do we, why is it human nature that we need to try to understand this meaning behind things? Like, there's just some things we're not going to get. And I think, why is it that we can't just accept that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can so relate to what you're saying. I remember being single. I did not enjoy that phase of my life. Um, it took a lot for me to accept that, you know, okay, this is where I am. And I did have like some turning points. Um, I, and I'll just say that it's exactly what you said. Once you are once you do find your soulmate, then there's, you know, the next phase having children. And then there's the next phase of, you know, your career. And then there's the next phase also, you know, your, your children's milestone. So you're so right. It's so one of the biggest challenges that we have as human beings is how do we, on the one hand, be present with what is, mm -hmm. but of course we also have to look to the future and have dreams and aspirations and desires and it's kind of being able to juggle those things and have a small space of, okay, only have so much control. I'm going to do all the things that I can do, but then there's this small piece. It's really not so small. It's actually a really huge piece of being able to trust mm. and having the faith and having the amuna that where I am right now is exactly where I'm supposed to be that Hashem has a much bigger vision for me than I have for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that first and foremost, when we can come into acceptance of that, that definitely allows the journey to be a little bit more scenic and a little bit more exciting and a little bit more flavorful. Because if I'm going into every single experience with this tightness and this anxiousness and this readiness to move forward, but I'm still here. It's like, we're not getting the full experience of where we are right now. So I will share a little bit maybe of my story and sort of what the evolution was. Um, so I'm a Balchuva and I started to go on this journey when I was pretty young. I was like a senior in high school. So pretty early on, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I want to get married. I want to have a family. And I sort of choreographed this whole vision. I knew that I wanted to go on shlichut. And like, boy, was I like in for such a 
like, like Hashem just kind of like pulled the rug underneath me. And it was like, my whole vision was kind of, it's crazy. Cause like, now I look at my life and I'm like, wow, everything that I really wanted manifested, but not in the way that like my limited perception had. So I think that's just sort of interesting because I did know deep down inside of me what I wanted and what I wanted to create and what kind of a lifestyle I wanted to have. But the way in which it unfolded and with who and when and the timing, all of those details were just like, I could have never imagined, right? So I- Beyond your scope. Exactly. It was completely beyond my ability to say. It was beyond my capacity. And I would say to anybody that's listening is really meditate on the idea that you have a vision for yourself, but the vision that Hashem has for you is so much greater, so much more extraordinary and so much more brilliant and beautiful. And so it's not about letting go of your dreams and letting go of your passions and letting go of your desires. It's just it's actually becoming even more in touch with those things that make you tick, that make you happy, that excite you, but being open and taking the necessary steps to go in that direction, all the things that you could be doing, but also realizing that the pieces come together. Hashem is glue to all of it. Hashem mm-hmm. is ultimately recreating the world at every single moment and recreating your life exactly the way it's supposed to be. And it, it's a partnership. So it's like you are creating and Hashem is, is the ultimate existifier, but the way in which it unfolds and it manifests is not going to necessarily be the exact, it's not, it's just not, it's not a reality. So I started my dating journey pretty early on. I was, I don't know, 20 years old. And I was, I, I, I had in my limited mind, okay, I'm ready to get married. Fast forward dating, 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 trying. I know I want this. Da, 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 da. And I, I really did have a very solid vision of what I wanted. For whatever reason, I had a lot of work to do. Actually, I know the reason I had a lot of work to do. <laughs> I really did have a lot of work to do. And bottom line is marriage doesn't solve your problem. Exactly. I, I will <laughs> say that marriage just actually highlights them more and is like, dude, you think you're emotionally involved and you did stuff? You did nothing. You haven't even begun yet. <laughs> So, um, so I, 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 so I got engaged. I broke my engagement when I was wow. 26 or 27 and I was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm done. Like I'm, I'm over this. I'm finished. Like it's, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's, it's okay. Maybe this is what Hashem, Hashem has other plans for me. I literally messaged my friend. I said, okay, I'm moving to a farm. I, I want to be a shepherdess. I'm not, I don't know. I just, I need to be, I need to just like live a remote life, like female Balshem Tov style. Like, I don't know. Like I just like straight up, he's about to do like all yeah, day, every like, day. I like I, I'm over this. Um, I think I had that thought yesterday. So yeah. Yeah. Very, <laughs> it was, it was a very common thought throughout my, throughout my journey. Um, And to my great surprise and to my, I still don't understand to this day, really what happened there. Two months later, I met my husband. We were forced to go on a date, had zero (laughs) intention of going out with him, did not think it was for me at all. Um, And, and it, it, it was, it was just like, it, it was, it was a Shem's timing. There were certain tikkunim, certain rectifications that I had to go through. And guess what? The journey was 
that that stage of my life before I got married was so powerful. I had gone through so many transitions in my relationship with Hashem, in my relationship with my friends, in my relationship with my parents, and in, in my in my career path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I explored fashion. I explore. I traveled. Um, I I was in real estate, and then I said to myself why am I doing things that just sound beautiful to other people and sound interesting? And, but they, it's not moving me. It's not serving me. Mm. And then I, I said, you know what, I'm going to explore a passion of mine that I've had for a long time. And I ended up building a business in Boston. I don't know if you remember when I got married and I moved to Boston, I built a business with a few other birth workers called the Boston doula circle. And yes, we, it was we legendary. An incredible practice together. And it was fueled by passion and desire and excitement and something that really made me tick. And that started in my singlehood. And I went through this transition of, okay, um, I'm ready to become in touch with myself in a way that maybe I wasn't before. Mm-hmm. And I had, I, I think the process of of dating just kind of numbed me in a way. And I felt maybe a bit jaded, defeated, discouraged. And that sort of leaked into other areas of my life, the way that I was showing up in work and the way that I was showing up at events and the way I was showing up with my friends. And I just unconsciously, it affected me. But I noticed this sort of dullness that was going on. And I said, what am I doing? This isn't me. This This is not Aussie. I'm not going to wait until some guy comes on a white horse to change my, that's not, that's just not going to happen. So before I met my husband, I decided to make a really big career change, which was scary and a lot. Um, And thank God I had parents that were supportive. So they were willing to stand behind me while I was going through this transition. And thank God it really grew into something incredible. And I guess on that point, I would say, you know, if there's a passion or a dream that you have, um, don't wait, don't wait, explore it, embrace it, step into it. Um, I've seen so many of my friends and other young women who have made really big shifts and changes in their lives that were like scary because of the life stage that they were in and only positivity came out of it. Only, Mm. only joy, only happiness. Um, and I think that when we are activated from a place of joy and excitement and passion, I know you made a big career shift, right? Like in the past, past year and literally the past two months, another whole plot twist as well. Um, which like, I'm happy to discuss it's crazy, but I want you to keep going. It's like, I was going to even ask you, like, what's the commonality with all these women. And I guess like myself that allows for these like changes to happen and, I feel like it's just kind of surrendering in a way. It's not that you're surrendering and you're stopping yourself in your tracks, but you're saying like, okay, Hashem, like there must be something in front of me that I can't see. So bring it to me because I, I from my vantage point, I can't see what you, what right. you want me to do. Right, right. So it's, not a, it's not like a surrendering from like, I give up. It's surrendering right. like, I'm trusting you. I'm going to move right. forward. My feet are ready to move. But I have no yeah. idea what you want. Exactly, you know? exactly. It's a surrendering and an openness to, okay, Ash, I'm ready for you to show me what, what you have in store for me, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, um, and I'll say like it, in other stages of my life, 
this sort of ties into this point that you're saying, when I did get married, I, I immediately wanted to have children. I was in my later twenties and I, I just felt that it was time and I wanted to, I wanted to be a mom. And guess what, Hashem, again, the theme of my life was you have plans and you have expectations and you have these dreams and I have a different um, vision in mind for you. And I'll say that my, the evolution of that journey for me was really hard and really painful. And it built a lot of resentment and frustration and feelings of abandonment. And I think that that also was what I felt when I was dating and I wasn't finding my soulmate. And I think I started to even tell myself like, okay, like maybe it's not in the cards for me to have kids. Maybe I'm not meant to be a mom. Maybe I need to just settle and be happy with what I have. And like, while that's sort of letting go of my dream and you would think, okay, like let go, like allow it to be what it is, what it, what the long-term effect of that was, was building resentment because I really, really wanted to be a mom. I really wanted to have a family. I wanted to have kids of my own. I wanted to feel like my home was a home. And I, in my mind, deep down, the vision that I had was more than just me and my husband. Um, And it took like moving away from this letting go to embracing what I really wanted, but being activated from a place of, I know that I'm going to be a mom. I don't know how I'm going to be a mom. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And it was the same thing in my ma- in 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 meeting my husband. It was a lot of that surrendering, but but I had to let go of resentment and anger and frustration, especially after my broken engagement. Yeah, that was so depleting. Um, I can't imagine. It, it was it was also a big weight that was lifted on my shoulders. Don't get me wrong, but it was yeah. it was it was challenging, nevertheless, in my journey. And it it was like Hashem was telling me again, you know you should have your vision and you should have your dream, but it's not going to unfold the way that you necessarily think it is. You're, you're a character in your book, but you're not the writer. Right. I mean, we have, we, we do create our lives, but I think that that's an illusion also, right? We think we have so much control because we wake up in the morning. We know what green juice we're having. We know our skin routine. We pick what we're, you know, we, we pick which exercise class we want to go to and who our we're talking to and our outfit, all these things, you know, are me claiming my power and my control. But these types of experiences, I guess, what instilled in me was as much as I think I have control, there's very little that I have real control over that Hashem's hand is so involved with every single moment of my life. And it took me, you know, it it, it was something that I really had to cultivate and bring into my awareness, bring into my husband's awareness of that so much too with his business and with our community that we're running, you know, post COVID, what it looks like, how it looked now, how it looks. And it's like, you know, we we went through a pandemic and it's like, that also was a, was a, an experience for all of us of, yeah. you could be living your life one day, but life is so unpredictable. You don't have control. And there's like this, there's like this inability to sort of, it's in, in Chassidus, it's called 
kishtavut, equanimity, of recognizing that there's, before, you know, you can turn right, you can turn left, there's a space of, it's a flat plateau. And from that place, there's, that that's where we sort of have to be activated from so that whichever direction our life goes in, we're able to not lose our stability, right? Mm. It's like the idea that Hashem is everything, but Hashem is nothing. Mm. What does that mean? How does that, how does, how is that? And it's like, because that's what it is. Exactly. Like, it's, it's this constant duality that we have to juggle. And there's so much of it within life, within Judaism. And I just think that when you find that centeredness, whatever you do attract, it's coming from that wavelength. So like you were saying, like, even when you weren't in a good place, it started seeping into every corner of your life. And I think that it takes someone who's present to only be like, to look around and be like, something's off here, um, to not notice that. But when we're accepting kind of like, well, if this is what's happening, this is what Hashem wills right now, then you're kind of seeing it from like a level-headed vantage point and you're going to attract something equally at that place, right? 100%. What you're, the vibration that you're putting out into the world is the vibration that you're going to, you know, that's the modern way of saying it, right? But in Hasidus, it's like you are creating through your speech, through your actions, and that literally affects your reality. It's Absolutely. not just a gimmicky thing that we say, but it's actually a reality. And so I would, on that note, I would say that it's so like, we don't realize it, but the, our state of mind, our, our consciousness, the state of consciousness that we're in really plays such a huge role also in how we experience things and what we ultimately end up experiencing. So it's really a lot of work, but getting into a positive state of mind, getting into what's called a mochin de gadluda, an expanded consciousness, a consciousness of openness, a consciousness of welcoming, a consciousness of recognizing there's a big picture here. Yeah. I'm just, this is just one lifetime. I've been here many times before. There's something very unique that only I can accomplish that I'm meant to accomplish right now. And the way that the world is unfolding, it's showing me what I meant to, un- what I meant to uncover here. And I can either choose to resist, mm. push it away and not look at it and avoid, or which, which just creates a ripple effect, right? Those things never will go away. You'll always have They're to- They're gonna come back it. some way in a different gonna form. Gonna come back. Um, and so whatever's coming up, it's like, that is what we're supposed to welcome and look at and explore and be present with. Um, and it's it's often easier to resist and avoid and, and, and push those kinds of things away. Um, but- it, it doesn't really work. It doesn't help you. Eventually, yeah. And eventually it catches up with you. And if it's showing up for you now, Hashem is saying, you look at this now, because once you're married and you have kids and you have finances and it, things become so much more complex, there's so many more nuances in your life. It, it's, it becomes more challenging to sort of look at those sorts of things. Yeah. And so if something is coming up, there's a reason for it. 
Exactly. Um, and I would say that if, if, if you are not sure what those patterns are for you, ask your closest friend, speak to a mentor, speak to somebody that, you know, you're noticing, if you're noticing something in your life is happening over, or you're struggling with a certain thing, yes, maybe yes. you're not even aware of what it is you're struggling with, but you feel blocked. I've had those experiences before where I didn't even know what was blocking me. And I had to really dig deep and ask some serious questions. Um, and those questions were posed to me by, I've spoken to energy healers. I have spoken to my rabbis. I have spoken to mashpiyim, people that I look to for mentorship who are on a similar, maybe higher level than me, but people that I feel really comfortable to talk to that I wouldn't be embarrassed or shy to right. be very honest with them about. I think that sometimes like Hashem chooses a different shlia, whether it's a person, an experience. I mean, people are your mirrors also. Like I, I had an experience like a Shabbat a few months ago, perhaps. And it was like someone who I enjoy their company dearly, but something was enraging within me. And like, I was feeling an emotion that was not like something that was in the realm of normalcy for me. And I was like, what is going on? And I had to like, actually like sit after Havdalah for like about two hours with like a mentor of mine and like talk it out. Cause it was so deep. And it was just like this one little thing that someone had said to me. And I was able to extract like a huge meat, a huge character trait that was bothering me in this other person because it was actually something I needed to reconcile within myself, but it was so hidden. It was something I really, I guess, protected that I didn't want to acknowledge within myself because sometimes it's, it's ugly. So to do the work, it's ugly. You have to see yourself really as you are. And then I think also in that knowing it's Hashem loves you no matter what, like he loves you. And he's like, please look at this. I need you to look at this because like you said, we all have a reason. We're a divine spark that only we can do. We can only light up a certain, you know, bigger picture out there. And it's only in this life. It's not another life. This is the only shot you have. Mm -hmm. And if I don't correct the vantage point, if I don't like focus in on that lens a little bit, we're not going to have a clear picture. Right. You know, and it, it is tiring. There are mornings where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, you know, like to be on all the time, like that feeling of like, I'm, I'm doing all this work, like my sleeves are pulled up, but I still have to do it. Right. But it's not even that I have to do it. I want to do it. It's I, I want to fulfill my utmost potential. And if that means that right now Hashem's like, well, you can do that on your own. Okay. I'm going to do that on my own right now. And it doesn't make it easier. I mean, I, I was contemplating if I, I was like, Hannah, I think you'll have more success doing a podcast about the single experience once you're married, because then it's all in hindsight and you could talk from, you know, your experience. And I said, no, I'm going to do it now. Like it, it makes no sense for me to wait until I'm married because this came to me now. And I felt such a strong pull to speak about it that I said, you know what? Hashem wants me in this experience, in this moment to talk from a place of uncertainty. Because I think that there's so much going on out there about women who are Hashem like you, like they're talking about their experiences, but not enough people who are in it, who are willing to kind of own up and say this, this is hard. And we need to, we need to be creating something for other people to realize A, they're not alone and B, that there's actually so much light in this experience and this um, trajectory. And we just have to take away those clipot, right? Those layers that they feel like there's, you can't get any light through it, but there's so much potential there. Right. And I, I think that's what it is. There's this, like this, this level of octus involved in it, you know? Right. Um, 
And it's exactly what you were saying. It's, you just kind of have to seize this, this moment where it is right now. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of faith and trust and that, that trust is called, you know, it's, it's like a little plant. You see that you, you plant it and then you need to water it every single day and you need to remind yourself every day. And it, you're right. It's not, it's not an easy one. Um, I think I always say that it was my biggest test of faith. Um, and it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of, you, you can't help but feel like there's a darkness or a shadow and it's like, just can't see. And, you know, you're not quite rooted in your life yet because you feel this like, well, where am I going to end up? Who am I going to be with? Who's going to be my partner? And I think that that's like a very normal and healthy, we should have those feelings. We should feel that. I think that's what the thing that compels and motivates us to meet our partner, right? It's also a blessing to feel that. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's the true dynamic of life. I think there's, we, we get into different experiences in life where we have a false security, but then we forget that like Hashem could literally create a plot twist at any second, exactly. any day. So, true. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's like these moments that are so vulnerable that I think we start understanding a little bit more about the worlds we live in and just like how it actually should be functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if anything, I really, I I feel that like, okay, I might not like that kind of shadow surrounding me, but I feel Hashem with me. So Mm -hmm. it it, kind of reminds me of like the Pasuk of Tehillim. Like I might be like walking through the valley in dark, but like, I know Hashem's with me. So there is this kind of like lack of light, lack of clarity, but I feel Hashem with me. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen in every phase of life. There will be moments of that lack of clarity. And yep. I think perhaps Hashem kind of uses these years where you're on your own, you're cultivating who you are as a person to kind of be a microcosm of tools you're going to have to use within your marriage, within, you know, day-to-day life. So it's kind of like, learn the, learn the lesson now, enter it into your toolbox. Right. So you know, please God, when the time does come, you have that yeah. as your resource. Yeah. And you're, and once you do enter that next phase, it's like the tests just evolve and the growth just changes and we're here to work (laughs) here to work we're here for you know god willing 120 years at every single stage there's something else um and it's a lot of like letting go of the resistance and being with it and knowing that those are those are opportunities to sort of you know we're all like diamonds and these are all like i was just thinking i was like there's there's diamonds under the rubble there's diamonds under the rubble so let me ask you a question, Hannah, what, what is your, as somebody that is in the thick of it, you know, you're on the scene, you're dating, you're, you're in this process of being open and um, readying yourself to meet somebody, but what would you say are your biggest tools for being present in your life? what helps to reground you into where you are obviously not letting go of your desire and your and your you know your your prayers to to get married thank you for asking I think first and foremost own your experience I think numbing out is the biggest um the biggest like disservice to you like even there's there's I know it's cheesy but there's beauty and pain and I felt it very much so with um these past few months since my aunt passed away 
um, the pain and the grief that I've felt, like I wouldn't replace it for anything in the world because it's a testimony to the relationship I had with her. So even in the pain, I can still realize that there's so much good in it because it is a testament and it reminds me of who I had in my life. So that's the first thing I would say, don't numb your feelings, own what this experience is bringing up for you. But then also with all that emotion, you have to bring your seichel in, like your logic, or else it's like, it's coming up and you're like going to be, it's kind of that balance, that duality. And you have to just remember and know like Hashem loves you. And if he's done it for other people, he's going to do it for you because we like Hashem's limitless. He's infinite. There, like it's nothing to like you know it's nothing to him but it's everything to him also to see someone married and I think also just gratitude um whenever I start feeling bad for myself which it happens it's normal we're human I kind of just surrender and I'm like I need to start feeling some gratitude and then you start realizing like there's so many things that you wanted in the past that you're experiencing now. And if you could just harness one thing to be grateful for, it spirals in. Like Rebbe Nachman talks about Tovot Nakodot and just finding mm-hmm. those good points in our lives. And they end up becoming a list. And I actually, like, I have an active one on my phone and notes where I, you know, there was a time where it was really hard for me to like look in the mirror and like, like what I was seeing. And it, it was de- directly related to dating. I wasn't showing up in the best way. And like, it, it fluctuates, it comes and goes. And I go into that note and I start seeing like all the character traits that I like about myself and things like that, the, the points that I'm grateful for in my life. And it just builds this kind of blueprint that allows you just to kind of have that surrendering that we talked about mm-hmm. and really just, you just feel full. And that's where I think the joy is. It's, you know, Simcha isn't just putting on a smile on your face and being happy all the time. That's not realistic. That's not what Hashem wants. Simcha is saying, this is a really hard experience. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling that longing to be married, but I'm also going to choose joy because there's so much that I do have. So it's okay to have the duality. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to need to cry it out, but then you have to kind of also have that action-based mentality of like, all right, let's do something about it. Um, You have such a depth of wisdom already, which is crazy (laughs) because it's like Hashem carves into us and sometimes we don't get why and it hurts and it's painful and it sometimes literally to create a well Mm -hmm. so that you can hold space for other people that are going through something similar and thank god you filled your well with all the most amazing and incredible things and that's that's huge that's really really good for you thank you thank you so much jenna before we go firing personally to hear you i'm like oh i i need i need to remember (laughs) that one i love you. you gratitude okay i'm gonna have a running note of that love that okay noted Darcy's making me blush everyone hey everyone so thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast Darcy and i continued speaking and you know what we just had some technical difficulties and what can we do? But um, there's a practice I have if you're new to the show. You, this is probably one of the first experiences you'll have with it where I like to ask my guests um, to sit with something. It doesn't have to be something, a topic pertaining to the show, but I find often in life that we're just on go, 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 and we seldomly get to really sit with our emotions and experience them and kind of sit with what is going on in our life. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to pose it to you. So I want to give you the space right now to take a deep breath and just sit with something that maybe you need to give a little bit of attention to. And sending you lots of love and light.